about the word, and I'm like, awesome, I get to tell everybody how much God loves them, and it's like petting kittens, and you're running through fields of tulips, and whatever that means, you know, it's going to be this nice package message, and just tell you how much God loves you, and then I ran across this scripture, and it said, love suffers long. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I can't tell you the weightiness of it when it jumped out off the page to me. And specifically, love suffers. And I was thinking, man, you want to talk about something that's way over here and something that's way over here meeting together? Love suffers. And Jesus, as he went to the cross in his suffering, headed to the crucifixion, headed to the most painful place <laughs> you could possibly come to. Painful suffering. It was the highest form of suffering, but also the highest form of love. Meeting together. And it's such a challenge <laughs> because everybody's easy to love when they're nice to each other. <laughs> But when someone is accusing you or someone, or someone has rejected you, or somebody has a completely opposite viewpoint of life than you, that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where love manifests. Love manifests in hard places. All y'all that are married here today, you remember when you first saw your spouse? Now, man, all that puppy love and all that those kittens and those flowers and that, that niceness. <laughs> and then you got married, and somewhere down the line, you know, you ran into some hard places. You ran into some hard times. You ran into some stuff that made you question. But you know what I found out? The, the people that are together the longest and have suffered together through things have the highest form of love. This unconditional love that isn't based on circumstances, it isn't based on conditions, it's not based on whether I'm nice to you or not. And why this is so extremely important is I believe what God is moving the church into is love. <laughs> but it's not, it's not this love where I'm just going to say, you know, I'm going to come into agreement with you and just I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and follow and do what you do. No, it's a love that speaks the truth, but it's also a love that will knock down the gates of hell to pull somebody out. But you cannot do it unless you speak truth in love. And I believe God is moving the church into this fiery, fiery form of love. Where we're moving in love. It says it. Perfect love casts out all fear. So moving into the places where your flesh is terrified of, but moving into that place in love and seeing people come to repentance. You know, people come to repentance. What's it say? They come to repentance when they see the goodness of God. Do you know that one of the fruits of the Spirit is goodness and love and mercy and kindness. And God is raising up a church that's full of fruit. So when the world is barren and they have no mercy and they have no grace and they have no love and they're broken, they see this church that is full of fruit.
and they want to pick fruit off this tree. They're not satisfied, but we have something that satisfies. Love is violent. Love is fierce. Love will burst down any wall. Love will crush mountains. There's no greater love. And I want you to think about how much you love maybe the person sitting next to you, your son, your daughter, your husband, your wife, whoever it is. When you were a mother and you held your child, that incredible love. But nobody can love you like God. Nobody can love you like Jesus. And he set it up that way. So when you come into times where you sense that you feel unlovable or the people around you maybe aren't loving you like you think you need to be loved, that God's love is perfect. God will jump over that wall for you. He will knock down that wall for you. He will come after you. Man, God so loved the world is the heart of the gospel. Notice that it does not say God so loved the church. God so loved the saint. God so loved the world. There are billions of people on the face of this earth and God loves all of us unconditionally in the same way. And I know that's hard to understand that God's love for me is the same love of someone in East Palestine shooting up meth right now. I know that's hard to understand. I know that's hard to understand, but his love has no bounds. His love has no boundaries. His love, it's an everlasting fountain and it just keeps coming up and coming up and you're coming up and you say, why? Because he wants people to repent and he will never stop chasing and he will not ever stop running and he will never stop coming after you. Mm. His love is deep. Uh, uh. He hates self-righteousness. Ugh. He hates it when we look at someone and we say, well, we're more righteous than them. Well, we do better than them. Well, we're, we, we, we do more good. We do. It's all about Jesus. It's not about works lest any man should boast. It is everything that Jesus did on the cross. And all we did was say yes to everything that he did. Listen. That he first loved us. He loved me when I was at my worst. I came from a place, and most of you know this, but I was in a drug house for years, and I was destroying lives, and my life was destroyed, and God came up into that drug house and sought me out. I wasn't running towards him. I wasn't searching for him. I wasn't, I wasn't headed to church somewhere. He came into my space and said, do you want this salvation or don't you? And I said, yes. At the bottom, at the bottom, at the deepest, darkest place of depression that I could possibly be in, God met me there and brought me out of that muck, mire. He's not afraid of darkness. Do you know that God is not afraid of darkness? He's not afraid of darkness. Why? He is light. And then he says, you are the light of the world. So we should not be afraid to go into dark places. Perfect love casts out all fear. If you, if you notice something, huh, yeah, th this is like a no duh, but the media is trying to divide everybody. Listen, you have to recognize what's going on right now. The media is trying to get you to hate the sinner and not the sin. I'm spitting all over the place. Listen, this is what's happening. 
the media is trying to get the church to look at the sinner and hate the sinner and want nothing to do with them and doesn't want to talk to them and wants to push them away and says, oh, we're better than all them. Listen, our righteousness outside of Christ is as filthy rags. So isn't the enemy clever? In the form of self-righteousness, he wants to get the church to just push everything that God is trying to save away. Meanwhile, he's like, I'm the one that called you to go into the dark places and love, 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 love. Because the goodness of God leads people to repentance. It's not, it's not anything else. Oh, boy. He loved us first. He loved us in our weakness. He loved us in our sin. It says, when we were dead, he made us alive in Christ. You know what it says about Paul? Paul said, it pleased God to reveal his son in me. Paul was going the opposite way. And he got knocked off his horse. And Jesus stood and, and he said, Lord, Lord. <laughs> Boy, I tell you what. All across this world, people are going to have Lord, Lord experiences. God showing up. People repenting in masses. Masses. The enemy's on the move, but God is moving faster. God is always one step ahead of the enemy. Boy, I love doing this. <laughs> this feels so good. I can't tell you right now, like, the way I feel right now. Ah. Uh, he loved us in our weakness, in our sin, in our rebellion, in our waywardness. When we were running, we didn't run towards him. He ran towards us. I always thought, oh, boy. I always thought when the veil, you boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> I always thought that when the veil was torn, it was for us to get to him. But God corrected me when I began studying this message. The veil was torn for him to get to us. Oh, I can't tell you. There's something on the inside of us that always wants it to be about us. I'm moving into the holiest of holies. I'm going past that curtain. No, the veil was rent so God could come out of there like a fierce lion. And in the upper room, come down out of heaven and fill every one of those believers. And then the Holy Spirit started moving and they were laying hands on this person and laying hands on this person and laying hands on this person. And then the Holy Spirit just spread like wildfire because God left heaven to meet man. Jesus said, a body, oh my goodness, a body has been prepared for me. This Jesus that was in heaven a body was prepared for him. And when he came down on the inside of Mary, he stepped inside for the seat of the Holy Spirit and was born from a virgin into the earth. And he came into his body, his humanness, so that he could take our place on the cross. We deserve the cross. We deserve the punishment. We deserve the suffering. And we deserve the pain. But he took every single ounce of that pain on himself that's love love is when he hung on that cross with nails through both feet and both hands and that crown of thorn on his head bleeding severely lashed open 
bones hanging out, muscles hanging out, tendons hanging out, ligaments. He hung there and said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. If there's anybody that was in a place that should have been mad and angry at the world and bitter and frustrated, he, sat, he, he hung there in a state of forgiveness. Mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. That's love. Man. He's the one pursuing us. He's the one hunting us down. He's the one searching after the lost sheep. Listen to this now. This is Luke 15. And this starts in verse 1 in Luke 15. It says, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. That's where the church doesn't, God doesn't want the church to go. This man receives sinners and eats with them. You might have to eat with somebody so deep in sin, just so they can sense out of your mouth and in your lifestyle the goodness of God. I'm telling you, there are millions upon millions upon millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of people that are at the end of their rope. End of the rope. And they are looking and they are searching, whether it's a substance or whether it's a relationship or whether it's a lifestyle or whether it's a club or whether it's an organization or whatever it is, and they're looking for this hole in their heart to be filled with something that does not satisfy. The only thing that satisfies man and woman's that hole in their heart is that love. It's that love. And the church is being called to display that love. And I'm not saying come into agreement with sin. I'm talking about looking past the sin and receiving the sinner. Mm. Man. This, this man received sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable saying to them, what man of you, he's, he's calling them out like he always did. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which he has lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, let's throw a party, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be the more joy in heaven when one sinner repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. I'm telling you, that's, that's, that's one of those things in our brain right now that is hard to understand. But it's real. It's real. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one, does not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, let's throw a party, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. I want you to see the proactiveness of God in these things. He's, she's coming after that coin. She's looking for that coin. She's looking for that coin. The shepherd is looking for his sheep. He's looking for his sheep. He's looking for his sheep. The aggressiveness of God wanting to love you, you know? Man. Aggressive love. Aggressive love. 
right after this, it talks about the prodigal son, and I'm not going to read the whole way through the prodigal son, but you know the story. You have the two sons, and the one says, I want everything that you have for me right now. I'm tired of this. I don't, I'm done. And the father says, okay, here's your inheritance. And he goes, and he spends all the inheritance, everything, and he ends up in this pig pen. And he comes to himself at some point in the pig pen, and he says, man, my life before was better than this junk. And it literally says, he came to himself, he leaves the pig pen, and he starts walking. And I want you to understand something. That in that day, what would happen when you had a wayward son or daughter that was coming back into the fold, so to speak, they would suffer such shame. They would be spit on. They would be abused. They would be pushed. They would be shoved. It was all this works mentality. They would literally suffer abuse. And you know what that father did? As the son came to himself and started to walk towards that porch, it says the father literally leaps off the porch, leaps off the porch, and runs. And you know why he ran? Because he wanted to stop the shame and he wanted to stop the abuse and he wanted to stop everything that was about to happen to his son. So he runs to his son. And what his son thought, his son thought, well, if I could just be like one of his hired servants. I just want to be a servant. I don't even want the position that I had before. And you know what God does? You know what the father does? He literally puts a ring on his finger, he puts a robe on his back, and he puts sandals on his feet. And then they throw a big feast. And then you have the other son. And the other son is all mad. God does not want the church to come into the place of that other son. Where everybody's all mad. We deserve this. They don't deserve it. We deserve it. They don't deserve it. Fierce love. Fierce love. But I told you, there's an attempt by the enemy forget to get the church. To hate the sinner, not the sin. but we know better. The prodigal son. Huh. Isn't it interesting, the idea of the cunningness of the enemy, the idea of him, the trickery that's involved in it. So Lucifer gets kicked out of heaven because he's prideful. He's full of pride. He's all puffed up. He wanted to be God. God kicks him out. You know what he did? I want you to understand this. So his, his attempt was to get to make a separation. He wanted to get something on, on the inside of man for God not to be able to deal with him. I want you to get this. So when Adam and Eve took that apple and took that corruption on the inside of him, that's why the, the enemy tempted, tempted them in that way. He wanted to get sin, which God hates, on the inside of man. So then God can't deal with man. Do you hear that? And this whole gospel message, this whole idea, God providing skins for them right away in the garden. And then all these pre-Messianic scriptures. And then Jesus coming and Jesus dying on the cross and shedding his blood to reconnect us with the Father. But the enemy's attempts and his ploys and his trickery has not changed. It's not changed. He still loves separation. And I, I keep on bringing this up. But the media loves to separate. And the media is in our face all day long and all day long and all day long. And all these different forms to separate. Because unity is not much fun.
what I mean? Drama's fun for them. Drama, drama, drama. These, this, this bait. Drama, 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 drama. But he's calling us to love with a fierce love. A fierce love. Lucifer lost his place in heaven and became full of rage and jealousy and pride. And his goal was to put something in man that God hated. Sin. And he had a sin problem and Jesus came and he dealt. It says he literally became sin for us. He literally overcame and conquered. It says sin and the grave, death and the grave. To reconnect. Relationship. First Corinthians 13. And this, this is where this message flip-flopped for me because... Again, you know, these love scriptures, you've heard it in every wedding. You know, it's something that you hear, and it's, you know, it's one of those things where in the Word you just you kind of hear something over and over again, and you're like, you know, it's, it's this. But in 1 Corinthians 13, this is what it says. It says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love. It says, I have become sounding, a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal, and though I have the gift of prophecy... And understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but I don't have love, it says I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned. To be burned. Think about it. Literally talking about the idea of human sacrifice. but have not love. It profits me nothing. It literally says, love suffers. Love suffers. And you could say it like this. The greater the suffering, the greater the love. Or the greater the love, the greater the suffering. And I believe what God doesn't want us to do is he doesn't want us to look at a situation and think, oh, it's just too hard. There's too much suffering involved in that. There's, there's, too mu- there's too much I have to lose in entering this place to provide goodness to somebody that needs saved. This is challenging. I, again, this is where I thought, yeah, I'm just going to tell everybody God loves them. But now he flip-flops and he says, now, now that you know I love you, I want you to love somebody else like I did you. And it literally says, the world will know that you're his disciples. Why? Because of the love that you have for one another. So it's no surprise that the enemy tries to come into the church and tries to get everybody mad at each other. Because what he wants to do is he wants to get a root of bitterness in there. And then when people from the outside come in, they say, they're no different from us. It's always been the enemy. The enemy's ploy has always been to try to get the church to look like the world. And I know this is, this is a fine line we walk. It is a fine line we walk because we say, well, how far is too far? How much is enough and how much is too much? That's why we need the Holy Spirit to lead and guide and speak and touch and move because we have to be hearing. We have to be hearing because we are not called to enter into sin. We are called to be good to the sinner. Man. 
love suffers. And then it goes on, and it's challenging. Love doesn't envy. Love doesn't parade itself. It's not puffed up. It doesn't behave rudely. Oh, boy. Doesn't behave rudely. Does not seek its own ouch. It's interesting because our flesh hates this. Every word that is in this passage and in the Bible, period, your flesh hates it. Because the spirit wars against the flesh. And this is this is spirit. So whenever you whenever you're reading the Bible and you feel this prick in your heart, God's trying to deal with something in your flesh that needs to go. It needs to needs to go. It doesn't seek its own. It's not provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity. I don't know about you, but there's some times where I, you know, I, somebody falls or somebody falters, and I'm like, good. And God's like that. That's not me. God's like, I'm not, I'm not, no, I'm not trying, I'm not rejoicing over anybody that's in sin or has fallen or come up short. And right now I'm thinking about LeBron James. Because I love to see LeBron James lose games. <clears throat> oh boy. I'm sorry, LeBron. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes. Love is unstoppable. I mean, if you really think about it, love is unstoppable. Do you know when someone gets healed, whether it's a creative miracle or emotional or whatever, whatever, whatever realm someone gets healed in, it's just because of love? Love is the driving force. Love is, love is the, the thing. We say, well, how does that work? Because God is love. It literally says God is agape. It's a fatherly, deep, unconditional, I'll search you out, even when you don't have nothing to do with me type of love. Sometimes the way that you can compare it is most of you in here know somebody that's lost or has moved away, especially on the parental level, whether like it could be a son or a daughter or a relative or whatever. Do you stop loving them? Do you ever, like in your heart, like deep in your heart, do you ever be like, if someone came up to you, no, I don't love them anymore. No, you, you, don't, you hate what they're involved in, but you love them. And I, this, is on, this is like on a smaller level compared to God. God is, is a million times bigger than that, but it's relatable. It's relatable. So he goes over all these things. Love never fails. <laughs> I didn't. Love ne- it says, it literally says, love never fails. Love never fails. Well, I don't want to fail. Love. Man, hear that. God says, if you will love unconditionally, you're never going to fail. Well, what about Jesus saying, you know, they hate me. They're going to hate you. They're gonna, they try to kill me. They're going to try to kill you. That's it. That's fine. That's part of the gospel. It shouldn't stop us from doing what we do. Love never fails. Love never fails. We need t-shirts made up. (laughs) Love never fails. Love never fails. Love never fails. What should I do? Love. And let God deal with them. Love them into the kingdom and let God clean them and let God deal with them. But they need to come into the kingdom first and they need to see something. Something. Spirit of God. No one confesses Jesus unless it's by the Spirit. Ugh. Well, I confessed Jesus outside of the Spirit. No, you didn't. 
No, you didn't. <laughs> no, you didn't. The Holy Spirit came to you and convicted you that you are not in a good spot, and you said, I need a Savior. The Spirit of God leads that charge. Conviction. Endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, I love this stuff. They're gonna, prophecies are going to fail. Tongues are going to fail. Knowledge is going to fail. It's, it's going to vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is part will be done away with. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. One of the things that God is doing in the church right now is he's raising up people from children to adolescents to young adults to adults to move into this place of maturity where we can love more fiercely. Where we're not all worried about what everybody's saying and what everybody's doing or whatever. We are so focused and so uh, in that place where he said, this is a narrow road. We are on that narrow road and we are so focused and we have those blinders on because we're mature. Mature people have gone through hell on earth. Really. You want to look at a relationship that is mature and has grown? And I can say something to you that might make you mad, and you can say something to me that might make me mad. Or you, and, you know, we may be able to call each other out and hold each other accountable, and I don't get all mad about it. That's maturity. Because I know you're coming from a place of love. I know you're coming from a place of truth. And when you come in, sincer to, in sincerity to a non-believer... Some of them, yeah, they're not going to want to hear it. Some of them, like Jesus, they're going to want to throw you off a cliff. Some of their, their flesh is going to be risen up, and they want to do you in. But that should never stop the church. We're just, we just put out seed. God says, don't change the message. He said, don't change the message. Keep preaching, this, keep preaching the truth. And, keep, and I'm going to say something to you in the... Those of you are, are prophets in here today, don't shut your mouths. Keep your mouths open. And I'm not just talking about in public. I'm talking about in your secret place, in that place, whether you're in the woods or in your house or in your car or whatever. Don't stop proclaiming. Prophets, don't stop speaking. Don't stop speaking. Keep speaking. The enemy loves to silence the prophets, just like Jezebel. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Hot diggity dog. Do you realize, I mean, you know, we're talking about this love. I'm trying to explain this love, but it's really, it's incomprehensible. Really, really, really what it looks like is incomprehensible to us right now. It says we see dimly, but you know there's going to come a day. I'm spitting all over the place. You know there's going to come a day where you receive this in fullness? And listen to me. I said this up here last time I was up here. I was like, what, what I was trying to think of heaven, like what, what we would be doing in heaven and what thing I would like to do the most in heaven. And, and I couldn't come up with anything. But you know what? When you are perfectly loved, when you are a whole, you come into that spot and into that place where you need nothing. Do you know that every empty space in your soul or anybody's soul, these billions of people that are on earth or have ever lived is because of a lack of love? Interview people in prison and they will tell you. They will tell you their story. But nine times out of ten, it's something having to do with rejection. It's something having to do with being unloved. It's something having to do with the father not being in the house, or the mother not being in the house, or something they missed. Now they have this hole in their heart, and they've reacted, and they've done things because of this idea of searching for something. And they keep searching from drug to drug and relationship to relationship and situation. 
to try to fill this God-shaped hole that he can only fill. What a commission, like we have, what, what a commission that the church has right now. We should never, ever, ever, ever find a place where we are bored. Never. There's just too much to be done. There's too much. I put away childish things. And now abide faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. And he, put, he says that. He says the greatest of these is love because it's one of the hardest things to do. Really, if you want me to be real with you, because why? Why do you say why? Because there's suffering attached to it. I, mean, I, I mentioned the marriage relationship, how you get in there, and you have to deal with stuff. You know, you have to overcome stuff, and you have to, you have to deal. And then in comes children. And this is just an example. Now you've had to die on one level, and then here comes children. Now you have to die on a whole other level. And this is just one example. There's many things in life that are set up that way. And God's always interested in getting us to a place where we're full of him and not ourselves. <laughs> John the Baptist, Jesus comes up to John the Baptist. John the Baptist is like, I got to decrease. This guy's got to increase. Your flesh is screaming and screaming and screaming. No, I want it all. I want the world. I want this. I want that. And God's like, none of it's going to satisfy you, by the way. So real love is not childish, it's mature. And we're, we're winding down here. Real love is not childish, it's mature. There's suffering involved. There's endurance involved. You'll have to bear with some things. You'll have to die to some things. Listen to what 2 Timothy 2, 8-12 says. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to, to my gospel. For which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But he says... The word of God is not chained. Uh, the word of God is not chained. He says, therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. You say, why is it important to go through these circumstances where we kind of have to do this thing? Paul said, you got to die daily. What? Why? Why, why do I need to die daily? Because if you die with him, you reign with him. Man, oh man, oh man. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. Man. In John 3, we're finishing up here. If the singers want to come up. For God so loved the world. It says, and as Moses lifted, was lifted up, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of God be lifted up. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Huh. For God so loved the world, don't forget these next three words that he gave. Sometimes we can measure our love meter by how much we're willing to give. that he gave he, he gave what his only begotten son I want you to think of a loved one if you're a father or your son or if you're willing 
for Jesus to come out of heaven, provide a body for him, come down into this earth and die that painful death. That's love. That's love. He gave his most precious possession, most precious possession for you, for me, and everybody in this room. He gave that most precious possession. He gave that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Ah! That ought to get us pumped up. Because there's work to be done and there's all, all types of you all can stand, all types of people in diverse situations y'all can stand. <laughs> all kinds of diverse situations, all kinds of trouble, all kinds of there's work to be done that the world through him might be, might be saved not condemned and lastly as we finish John 15 and verse 9 it says as the father loved me I also loved you abide in my love boy you know we hear these scriptures why does he want us to abide in his love he says abide in my love if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love just as I kept my father's commandments abide in his love these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I loved you. Man. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Greater love has no one than this. Greater love has no one than this. And this is why I can stand up here today and tell you nobody loves you like Jesus loves you. Nobody loves you like God loves you. You are my friends. If you do whatever I command you, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father I have known to you, made known to you. You did not choose me, I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. Why? So that the world can see him that whatever you ask in the Father in my name, he may give you these things I command you, that you love one another. Lord, we just seal this word at the prayer. People want to come up. Lord, I thank you that perfect love casts out all fear. We thank you for this church that's being raised up, that is moving in this fiery love not bowing to sin, not coming into sin, but realizing you overcame sin and you made a pathway for us to go into dark places. We thank you for your love that is unconditional, unconditional, unconditional. We thank you for that love, that fiery love that overcomes all bounds. Thank you, Lord. We, we seal this word in your name. And everybody said.